our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. The Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6 is one of the most well-known prayer in the world. Right? It's even more well-known than the serenity prayer. Uh, God grant me the serenity to accept the things that I cannot change, the courage to change the things that I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. It's more well known than now I lay me down to sleep, I pray my Lord the soul to keep. And even more well known than good bread, good meat, goodness, gracious, let us eat. The Lord's Prayer is recited by millions of Christians around the world, and it has been throughout church history. But Jesus' intention was not just to give us words to memorize and quote. Notice in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, Jesus says, this is how you should pray, not this is what you should pray. This is not just a prayer to be prayed, although reciting the Lord's Prayer is a perfectly good thing to do. It's not just a mantra to be recited. Prayer was never meant to be an empty ritual, right? That's one of the, the main points uh, in this middle portion of the Sermon on the Mount. Prayer is one of three righteous practices that Jesus talks about here uh, in Matthew 6 during this part of the sermon, along with giving and fasting. And all of the things that we talked a couple weeks ago about when it came to giving and, and how it shouldn't be done for show for a human audience and what other people think about you, all of that can also be said here about prayer. And if you missed that sermon, go back and you can listen to it or, or watch that one uh, on our Facebook page or on our website. So I'm not going to say all of that again. Uh, just you, you can do that uh, on your own time. But what our Savior has given us here is an approach to the Father. He's giving us an example of, well, how to pray. And so what I want to do is go through the Lord's Prayer by, by praying through it and expanding on it. And I'm just going to approach this as a, a corporate prayer from us to God, whether it's just me and you as an individual watching or listening, or maybe it's your family, I don't know. But it's a prayer from us to God. So with that in mind, let's go. Our Father in heaven, not to whom it may concern or to whatever power or being that may be listening, may have the time and the power to do something about it. Not any of those things, but, but Father, a term of intimacy and affection. You are my Father. Imagine that. Jesus called you 
Abba, right? Daddy, Papa, Dad. You welcome us to, to sit on your lap and we'll tell you all about it. And as close as a child is on his daddy's lap, that's how close I am to you when I come to you in prayer. Not just my father, but our father. My father and, and your father. You're the father of, of all who believe. You are my brother or my sister. I am your brother. We are family. and God is our father. We're not subjects, or servants, or pawns, or peons. We're children. We are your children. As our father, you care about us enough to hear what we have to say. You have the time for us, time to listen to us. You are the God who he hears. You are our father. You are our father in heaven. Better than any other friends in any other high places, you are our father in the highest place. You sit on the throne of heaven, the throne of the universe. You're not just a father who listens, but you are a God who's in a position to do something about it. You are in a place of power. And when we go to you in prayer, all the resources of heaven are available to us. As Paul says, we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. Hallowed be your name. May our heart's desire be that your name be regarded as holy, perfect, and pure in every way, above and beyond all that we are. God, as our Father, you are, are close enough that we can call you Dad, but you are still God. Right? Your name is not mere sentiment, not just an expression, not just an exclamation point to express our astonishment. Forgive us for using your name to swear, to make a point, to draw attention to ourselves, because your glory is yours alone. You're not a desperate wish or a last resort. You are a holy God. You are a God so great, so vast, and so powerful that you would be beyond our grasp or our knowing if you chose not to reveal yourself to us and to adopt us as your children. So let our first desire in prayer not be for ourselves. It's not whatever laundry list of concerns that I have it is that we would have a deep reverence and awe for who you are. Hallowing your name, though, is more than just respecting the letters in the word G-O-D, as if capitalizing the G and, and not using your name or your title to curse is all there is to hallowing your name. But it is to have my heart so deeply moved by your supremacy, 
by your supreme greatness that I can only adore and honor you. And it's my prayer that others are so deeply moved as well. Your kingdom come. My greatest hope and desire is to see you reigning in your kingdom. Not territory or geography, but we long to see your rule enthroned on each and every human heart. Now, at least I wish I could always pray that in all honesty. Far too often, I confess it is my kingdom, my authority that I seek. And even in my praying, I am seeking what I want, not what you want. But I want to seek your kingdom, Lord. I want to see your desire sit on the throne of my heart, not my greed, not my lust, my anger, not my pride, not my fear, not my anxiety. None of that, Lord. Not even my dreams or my hopes or any of those things. But let your desire be the ruler of my heart, of our hearts. Not our kingdom, Lord. Not our authority, but yours. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done. May your perfect purpose be accomplished in this world. Your will, Lord, not, not ours, but yours. Though my words may say otherwise, I too often live my life as if to say, my will be done in heaven as it is on earth. So I ask that my desire would be your desire, right? That your hope would be my hope, that your will would be my will. May your will be done. And not just in heaven, not just in some faraway, distant other place, but, but right here, right now, in this time, in this place, in my life, as I live and breathe, may your will be done. You see, your will being done on earth begins with us. How can I pray for your will to be done somewhere else if it doesn't begin with me, if it doesn't begin with, with our church, in our homes? Then when your will is done in our lives like a stone thrown into a pond, may it ripple out further and further until your will is done in our homes, in our offices, in our schools, in our city, in our nation, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Most holy and heavenly Father, we now turn to our own needs. Provide for our needs today. Supply our needs not our wants or our wishes, but our needs. I pray for food, for clothing, for shelter, for health, for a job to provide for our loved ones and 
to share your love with others. This is all we need. Help us to be content with this, to be thankful for these things. Help us not to confuse what we want and what we need. Help us to be satisfied with our daily bread. Not to feel entitled and demand our daily steak or daily sushi, just our daily needs. We ask for your provision and sustenance, Lord. We understand that you have blessed us with intelligence and skill, and you have called us to employ these things in an effort to work and earn a living. But even this, these things, Lord, are a gift from your hands, an invitation to partner with you and tending to your creation. Ultimately, Lord, we realize that we are dependent on you and we trust in your provision. We find only in you, freedom from dependence on anything else. No pill or bottle can ever provide the peace that passes understanding. That only comes from the God of peace, the Prince of peace, the Spirit of peace. Lord, I pray for deliverance for those that find themselves enslaved to any of these pretenders to your throne. Lord, we trust you to take care of us in the present, this day. But it's also so hard for us, for us to ask only for our daily bread. So often we want next week's bread, next month's or next year's, all laid out for us, ready and assured. We would prefer to have the whole of our lives mapped out in advance to know how everything will work out. But you call on us to trust in you today, to have faith step by step. So Heavenly Father, give us this faith for this day. We do not need to worry about tomorrow so we can cast all of our future cares and anxieties on you. Our present is in your hands. Father, forgive us our debts. See, Lord, we must also place our past in your hands. We need forgiveness. Even to pray this, we must confess our wrongdoing. Right? I am a sinner. We're all sinners. We fall short of your glory every day. Our lives have missed the mark. We need your forgiveness. Do not treat us according to what we deserve, Father. Do not give us what we are owed. Do not demand that we give you what we owe you, for our debt is beyond our ability to repay. And forgive not just our debts, but forgive my debts. It's easier to acknowledge our corporate flaws, our shortcomings as a people, I can easily admit human failings. But I need to be forgiven for my individual faults, for my personal sins. Because there are so many times that I willingly and purposefully violate your will, Lord. 
I have violated and rebelled against you, my Father. I have rejected your will for my life. I cannot measure how much I have wronged you, and if I could place a figure on it, it, it would be an amount so staggering I could never repay. I need you to forgive my debt because I could never repay it on my own. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Oh, holy and heavenly Father, this, this is hard to pray. I mean, asking for your forgiveness is one thing, but to tie it in any way to, to our forgiveness of others, that's a tough ask. And even as I don't want you to measure my debt to you, why calculate with strict exactness what I think others owe me? And I expect full payment. I demand it. We, we all do. But you have called us to forgive others with the same forgiveness you've shown us, Lord. And we can only do this when we realize just how much you have forgiven us. And once we realize the, the enormity of our own sin, the trivial wrongs of others begin to pale in comparison. And how could I ever demand so little from others when you have forgiven me so much? But I also know, Lord, that some of us bear some very deep and heavy scars. Wounds that only you can heal. And in that healing, Lord, give us power, give strength, give the courage and the love to move on, to move past, to let go and to let you deal with it. I pray, Lord, that there are some heavy burdens right now that are handed over to you as we find forgiveness. We don't have to carry it anymore. Help us to let go, Father. Don't let the wrongs that we've suffered turn into bitterness and anger. Don't let them poison our soul. And where that poison is already set in, Lord, may your forgiveness set our hearts free. May others see your love in us because we have shown the same love to them. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. See, just as our present and our past are in your hands, Father, so is our future. There are so many things in life that would lead us astray. There's so many traps that could ensnare us, so many distractions that would, would turn us aside, so many holes into which we could fall. Satan knows our every weakness. He knows where to hit us most and where to hit us hardest. But you know where our weaknesses are too. And you are our strength and our shield. It is your spirit who lives in us. And he is greater than the one who is in the world. Lord, guide us through the minefield of life. Help us to see the snares set before us. Satan has a plan for our lives, but your plan 
is greater. So make my passion, my pursuit, my purpose be for your plan. Your desire is for us. Satan's desire is for our destruction. He is the father of lies. He always breaks his promises. He always pulls the rug out from under us. He never delivers the future he dangles before us. We know that we will be tempted and tested throughout life. But we also have the assurance that we'll never be tempted beyond what we can bear. And when tempted, you will provide a way out so that we can endure it. You will never lead us into a situation where Satan can win. Sadly, though, we often lead ourselves into temptation. We put ourselves into situations where Satan gets a hold of our life. But with your help, we can overcome any temptation. We can pass any test. And so we declare with the Apostle Paul, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And there is no better way to end this prayer than with this beautiful doxology that was prayed by our brothers and sisters in the early church. They used in their own worship. It is all about you, God, your kingdom, your power, and your glory. It will be forever. But for us, it must begin right here, right now, here in our lives as we pray. So may your kingdom be in our hearts. May your power be seen in our lives. And may your glory be seen in all that we say and do. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one.